You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Hello again and welcome to Inside Healthcare, brought to you by NCQA. I'm your host, Matt Brock, NCQA's Director of Communications. On this episode, we feature an interview with two of the authors of a recent article on the connection between health equity and quality measurement and the process being made to improve healthcare for all. Later on, we'll bring you a chat with NCQA's president and founder, Peggy O'Kane, with her thoughts on the emergence of health equity as the hot button topic in healthcare today. First up though, an inside look at a significant article recently posted in the blog at healthaffairs.org. The article is titled, A New Effort to Address Racial and Ethnic Disparities in Care Through Quality Measurement. The authors focus on the strides being made in collecting accurate data on patient race and ethnicity, discussing current strides in parsing and disseminating that data to both federal agencies and medical institutions. This year, NCQA began rolling out race and ethnicity stratification in its HEDIS measures, incorporating five measures across several key areas covering multiple product lines, with plans to build out even more comprehensive metrics in the near future. And now for our guests. For this episode, we bring you an interview with two of the Health Affairs' six authors, Kirsha Thompson and Latasha Rouse. NCQA health career analyst Kirsha Thompson has spent her career trying to figure out how to break down the distrust of Western medicine shared by so many minority groups and what can be done to bridge those gaps in equity. She holds a BA in comparative race and ethnic studies from the University of Chicago with a heavy focus on medical ethics and public health. She holds a license as a first responder, worked with a suicide prevention unit at a Native American clinic, ran classes in emergency medical response for the Red Cross, all while earning a master's degree in social work, healthcare administration, and policy. Let's just say when it comes to understanding the ground game with health equity and where we go from here, Kirsch about as good as you can get. Latasha Rouse is a CDDONA. Yep, that's a certified doula with the nonprofit Doulas of North America International. Specifically, she is a birth and postpartum doula and owner of Birth Sisters Doula Services. She's also a patient engagement consultant with several state and national organizations. Latasha's work comes from the heart. Nearly 10 years ago, she had triplets born at just 26 weeks. From that experience came the drive to work with mothers, families, and health agencies to build a greater understanding and empathy both for parents going through difficult births as well as the newborn intensive care units, the NICUs, who care for premature babies. Here's how she says it. Her passion is helping parents develop their voice in the care of their children and helping medical staff learn from and to make improvements in care based on the parent perspective. She is an expert in her field working with, and this isn't the whole list by far, the American Board of Pediatrics, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, as well as the March of Dimes and the CDC. She speaks, she trains, she advises organizations and agencies 
around the world in prenatal care and patient engagement. Latasha's passion is finding ways for clinicians and patients to have a true partnership and improve outcomes while supporting families. She proudly proclaims herself to be a wife, a mom, an advocate for minority rights, a partner for patients and families. And now we'll call her guest. She's on the podcast. Kirsha Thompson and Latasha Rouse, welcome to Inside Healthcare. We really appreciate you being here and uh, sharing this great news on uh, what is widely regarded as a great article. I'd like to start with you, Kirsha, because uh, I'd like to hear just, you know, have you set set the scene for us on the article? What was the impetus of it? Who was involved in getting it together? And why you believe uh, Health Affairs uh, was willing to so quickly uh, publish it and essentially put its stamp on it. Health Affairs is prestigious. Yes, it really is. And um, I think, so what really happened, it was over the past year and a half, you know, we've seen, I think, across the nation of um, more of a spotlight, you know, shedding a lot of light on this idea about um, advancing health equity in whatever ways we can do so um, across the American healthcare system. And so I think that really got a lot of folks, um, you know, my colleagues within NCQA and I to really start thinking more um, transparently about how we can really tackle this important issue within our healthcare clinical quality measures specifically, which is a lever that we use to obviously increase the quality of care. And so what we did, which I think was really fun, we um, began working with this whole um, expert work group up full of experts from across the healthcare system who are... Um, basically a bunch of big names in the community who are interested in advancing health equity, whether that's through, um, you know, being a patient advocate like Latasha here, she's part of this wonderful group and very amazing to work with, but also, you know, she's worked with us with community-based organizations on this group, um, health plan leaders, um, the government, et cetera. So it's been a really interesting uh, way to see different folks come together and put their heads together to tackle this issue. Um, so I think that's kind of, the big impetus for why, you know, we put this together and why health affairs was interested in um, putting this out there with us. Really just a, an opportunity to sort of set the flag where we are now and where we need to go moving forward, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's an important starting point um, for, you know, really holding health plans accountable for where disparities in care exist in terms of race and ethnicity in their patient population, but also we see it as an opportunity to, you know, down the road, let plans assess how well they've done at actually closing those gaps in care. So it's very exciting. Uh, Latasha Rouse is here. And as noted, um, she is a patient advocate and sees this firsthand. Uh, Latasha, tell us firsthand, give us a firsthand account of of how bad it really is? Well, I have seen a lot of the examples firsthand, as you said, personally and with people that I work with as a doula um, and just in um, working with health systems across the country in different states. One example I like to use is, um, we, you know, thinking about the different opportunities is, you have social determinants that people focus on and have been for a few years. We've had disparities that have been persistent 
forever. Um, but now the, the lens has turned to people realizing that you have to combine social determinants and racial equity to get to health equity. And that has been, I think, the big push for in the maternal infant world for infant mortality and maternal mortality was a huge um, moment in this movement that made everybody go, hold on. It's time to think about how this impact is. So seeing the stories of the people who have gone into the hospital perfectly fine and not left. Um, for people who went in for a simple repair that didn't come back out to their families. Um, and all the way down to people who go in to a hospital that don't quite speak English well enough to be able to communicate in a way that is effective and not realizing that there are services that are available or that there was something else that they should have been doing to take care of themselves um, so that they didn't have to go back to the hospital. Um, so many different ways that this really does shape the work. And so being able to focus in and narrow in on those populations, it means that as a whole, the improvement will trickle to everybody. Because if you can get this part right, the care for everybody gets better, the numbers for every organization gets better because the people who need it most are being affected and impacted in this work. That's why we in, in CQA say equitable care is high quality care, right? That's, you've made that connection maybe better than anyone I've ever heard make that connection, Latasha. So uh, good for you. And there are good, I think that we should point out because NCQA is, you know, right now um, doing a lot of communicating about equity and doing a lot of new work on equity. And um, I, I, there are some folks, there are, there is good news out there, right? There are some good things happening, Latasha. Tell me about that. So in the work that I've been able to do in maternal child health, in um, pediatrics, I have absolutely seen that when people focus in on um, disparities, they move the needle. And it is usually going into it, they don't think that it's gonna happen. But once they do start working on it, they have seen the shifts and having it be at a higher level, at the health plan level, um, you know, it means that it's going to continue. Um, and so the examples that were given in the article are prime examples um, that are outside of the maternal infant health world, but it means that this work is transferable. It doesn't matter who's doing it, it works. Hmm. Uh, Air, uh, sorry about that, Kirsha. The, uh, tell us about what the article, uh, first of all, you can catch it at healthaffairs.org. Uh, but, and I wanna, kind of tell folks at home that if you hear a little extra noise, there is some construction going on around yeah. uh, Kirsch's home and you may hear a little background noise. We can roll with that because she's worth hearing. And uh, I, I can vouch for that. Kirsch, tell us, summarize the article for us the best way uh, that you can, uh, especially with its recommendations. 
Sure thing. Yeah. So I would say that overall, the article is kind of our chance and this expert work group's chance, I should say, to, to really show that, you know, we are, there, there are strides being made and, you know, using healthcare quality measurement to advance and address health disparities, especially with respect to racial and ethnic, um, like that domain. Um, and we also like to highlight, you know, in this, you know, article that, you know, there are strides being made, not just in NCQA, but also on the ground in terms of health plans, CBOs, um, electronic health vendors too. Um, there's from all corners of the healthcare system, there really are, especially like Latasha said over the past few years, folks and organizations who are, you know, have invest, begun to really invest in addressing this important issue, um, despite, you know, some of the challenges that do exist, you know, with regards to getting the data, collecting it, making sure that it's usable and like these measures and that it has impact at the policy level. So um, in a nutshell, you know, this is a call to action and also highlights, you know, where there are gaps in, in this call to action, I guess, but also, you know, it's a way for us to look forward with hope in terms of addressing this issue. To draw some lines about where, where we want to go. Do you expect there will be another paper, say a year or two from now saying, this is where we came from and we still got more. Yeah. Yeah. This is where we came from and where we're going. I definitely see that in our future. Um, I think that uh, so many of us are really interested in seeing what happens now. We've had a lot of uh, interesting uh, conversations with stakeholders over the past year or so about, you know, what it took to create the stratification, but also what do we do next? You know, um, when we implemented the stratification, um, this fall, we added it to just a certain number of five measures, actually. Um, but we plan to expand that now, starting with next year and uh, actually through the next several years. And so we're going to be working with folks outside NCQA to figure out um, what domains we want to, you know, begin collecting this important information within as well as, um, you know, so kind of adding on to the starting point. Um, we also, I also definitely see us um, expanding our work. There's more sound right there. We hear it. It's good. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, I, we all are also working on the back end right now to look at other domains of health equity and measurement. So looking at sexual orientation and gender identity, what can be done to address those issues within our measures, as well as um, we're also working on creating some really interesting measures around social needs and collecting that data and making sure that um, you know, food, housing, transportation needs are being met too. So there's, we're coming at this from a lot of different angles. And I think you'll definitely be hearing a lot more from us in the future about that. Latasha, well, one I, of the things, go ahead, go ahead. I was, was going to say, I remember that being difficult to, to narrow down where we were yep, going to start yep. because we wanted it all. It was like, wait a minute, we have to choose. Okay. There's so many <laughs> issues to tackle, Latasha, right? Yeah. I remember those conversations. Yeah, um, it was but that, that, that's part of the value of all of this, though, right, is that it sets a focus and focus and everybody's not running in different directions to try and achieve the same result. Part of the issue here is also collecting that data and making sure it's accurate and especially on race. And I, Latasha, I'd like you to talk about this, especially on race. A lot of folks, uh, whichever side of the coin you're on, feel uncomfortable sharing that information sometimes. So that's part of this whole challenge, isn't it? It is. And, and that is something that I, I work at. Whenever I, I see people, 
is, um, you know, this is not a shame or blame. This is a how do we improve? Um, and so we understand that the systems need updating. We understand that the way of doing things need updating. In order to get there, we need everybody to have their own numbers. Because what can happen is it is very easy to say, oh, but not here, not our people. We don't. Um, when actuality, if you have been around, you know, national level, you realize if you look at all the numbers, obviously there are some challenges. So let's boil it down, get our own numbers, work in our own demographics and our own populations to make the improvements. There is no shame in this. This is only how do we make it better? This is solution focused work. You do share some examples, Kirsha, in the in the uh, article of yeah. uh, things that are going well, things maybe not so much. Um, can you share one of those with us uh, to to give us a taste, Kirsha? Yeah, sure. So I think in our article we speak about a health plan, um, HealthNet, out in California, I believe um, that. A few years ago, they decided to start gathering race, ethnicity information on their patient populations and specifically found that in terms of colorectal cancer screenings, for instance, there was a very low uptake of that within the um, male, Asian male population. And so once they started collecting this data and they realized, oh my gosh, there's a huge disparity here, um, there's something wrong, we have to do something about it, they then were able to uh, start this campaign of sorts and where they targeted, um, you know, outreach to those specific patients um, and were able to get um, quite a few more folks in to get their screenings. So I think that's, that's just one really amazing example of something on the ground, seeing how a health plan itself can also be a huge mover and shaker in all this. And it's really exciting and inspiring to see that. And um, we look forward to seeing, um, you know, additional uh, examples going forth. I think that's something that folks are really excited about is seeing who's doing this well and how can we also do that too going forth. Latasha, and thinking, I, about, and thinking about how long they actually worked on that, that was a shorter amount of time for them to get any amount of change. So right. that is, uh, you know, something too to think about. A lot of times we think that it's going to take forever. And so, you know, is it really going to be something we can focus on now? They did not spend very long. I think it was what, six months? Okay. Yeah, it's like six months to a year to start getting those screenings up. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Latasha, well, you know, during this this time of <laughs> where we have controversies about uh, and legitimately so about missing white girl syndrome, you know, uh, where where women white uh, Caucasian women who go missing get a lot of press coverage. Mm -hmm. But plenty of minority and African-American women go missing and nobody does much of anything. Right. Um, that's where we are. And I and I think that sort of transferring that shock that we we talk about with uh, uh, missing white uh, uh, person, usually blonde. Um, uh, when we talk about that, I think that just as stark is the um, outcomes for African-American uh, mothers and babies and maternals. And if folks knew what those numbers are, and to be honest, Latasha, the only reason I know 
is because I learned it on this program from uh, a colleague of yours um, who's doing the same work as you. It is astounding the number, uh, the differences in, in mortality in that. It is absolutely astounding. Um, and to be honest, we, we should work, be shocked by them. I, I mean, we should be shocked by them, I think. I was. We should be shocked. We should be shocked at mortality. We should be shocked at morbidity. We should be shocked at cancer rates. We should be shocked at outcomes. For if you look at any demogra- any uh, discipline of medicine, you will see that disparity. I don't care what it is. You will see that disparity. Um, and I think the movement around mothers is something that once you hear it can move you because you understand how vulnerable that time is. You understand how sacred that time is. Um, and I always say, you never forget the day you gave birth and what happened and what was around you. And that is um, something that you pass along to your children. You tell them the story of the day that they were born, you know, and that story continues into that child's self-esteem, their background, their makeup, were they valued? Was their family valued when they came? That's an important moment in time. So I think that's why it's resonating. I hope it continues to resonate and that more people get to learn about it um, and, and realize that this is reality even in their systems, even in their populations. It's not outside of them. Uh, it sounds like to me, Latasha, you're asking people to be introspective, to really take a close look at, thems- at the- themselves, right? And, um, and the numbers generally don't lie. Unless the numbers are wrong, they don't lie. And there's a lot to be learned in those numbers. There's so much to be learned. And if, they, and if the numbers did lie, then they would be lying in every state. They'd be lying in every community. I mean, that's a lot to ask. Um, so it is. It is taking a look at what can be done um, in inside of organizations and at every level. So we're talking about health plans. We're talking about organizations, CBOs, um, you know, you know, individually. So we're attacking it at both ends. What can patients do coming into a system, and then what do they? What are they met with when they get there? Kirsha, what do you hope this article tells folks if they do if they give the the quick read? What do you hope they walk away with? What's most important? Yeah, I for me, it's you know putting that patient centered, community centered perspective to the center of all this. Really, you know, I'm a, I'm a social worker by training, and so um, I've also been you know kind of in the trenches with. Um, like the black and native communities specifically. And I think it's a lot of times, you know, when we um, are working in quality measurement, for instance, um, it's, there's so many people involved who don't necessarily kind of forget sometimes, you know, what it's like for the actual patients, despite us, you know, saying that, you know, we're putting the patient forward or to the um, forefront of this all. But I think that, you know, it's really important for folks to read this article and to really understand like, we need a lot of um, collaboration if we want to really make health equity, um, you know, really make this a priority and get some good work done here. You know, that's something I've really valued out of this whole thing is like working with folks like Latosh and other um, experts from across the field. I think that has been something that's been very new to me and new in this health equity effort. I think 
a lot of efforts to advance equity are can be very siloed at times. And so if I were to tell folks one thing when they read this article is to really um, try to do better at, you know, cross-pollinating and collaborating with others across the system, including especially, you know, patients, patient advocates, community-based organizations, I think get left out of the picture a lot, unfortunately. And I think that if we start to listen to these folks more and really take their insight to heart when we're creating measures or policies, you know, I think that will do us a lot of good here. Is anyone else? Go ahead. I remember Natasha. that being. I remember that being a, a major focal point. We had a discussion around, um, you know, community-based organizations and them not being funded well. Um, and so the question that I asked was, okay, so we're saying social determinants matter, and that the community that people live in matter, and that we need to have better support. Okay, so community-based organizations don't have funding, but it does help the outcome of the patients. Why is it that this important aspect is not written into a budget? So support them with the skills that they need to be able to, to maintain themselves and the funding. A lot of times we focus on skills and we teach them how to budget, but if they don't have anything to put into it, then when people come to them for help, they don't have it to give. And then you're giving out phone numbers to organizations that exist but have no way to, to function. And that is a, a piece in this that we need to kind of correct because you can't just push people to community-based organizations without supporting them. And so how do you plan or how, how do you advocate for that? How do you make that happen? So for me, it is a portion, and this is me saying this, okay? Yes, it's this her opinion. Me. It's my opinion. <laughs> for me, I, I think it needs to be um, it, it needs to be a measure. It needs to be our um, hospital systems tied into community-based organizations. Are they, are they supporting the ones that their populations need? Is it a part of their budget? Their funding should be, uh, you know, funneled that way. That's the only way we get there in my mind, but I'm one person. I hope other people have good uh, ideas about that. But we now know that's a place where we need to tackle to make sure that if we're going to measure these things, measuring always helps response, right? Uh, in fact, it's required at NCQA. That's what we believe. You have to measure so you can improve. Um, Kirsha, what has to happen for perhaps Latasha's idea to become a reality? Oh, I love Latasha's ideas. <laughs> like I'm right there with you. Um, you know, I think that we need to get folks like you, for instance, you know, you need to be heard, you know, whether it's through this podcast or through other, other means, but also at the policy level, because what you were mentioning, you know, this idea of tying or interlinking, you know, CBOs and the work that's done out in the community, you know, every people's everyday lives, connecting that into embedding it into the healthcare system and America in general, like, that would take a kind of a policy overhaul, I would imagine, you know, to some degree. And so we need folks to listen, you know, in Washington and other spaces. And um, I think that that th these are conversations that need to be had, you know, whether it's with CMS or whoever else. Um, but I'm all for it. I, I agree. I worked in a, a CBO for Native American folks. And, you know, while it was dedicated to their health care specifically, there was still a lot of, you know, the folks that were higher up the echelons, they 
you could tell like they didn't really um, have much of a clue of what was going on, you know, in terms of disparities on the ground for these folks and their social needs. Um, so I agree with you 100%, Latasha, like something needs to be done there. And, and, and you do have a partner in CMS, don't you, Kirsha? I mean, we, we have to be honest. Absolutely, they, yep. They have zeroed in on this issue over the last two years, correct? Yes, they've released, you know, different um, quality or disparities um, reports, you know, for us. And um, they're really invested in, you know, actively tracking where disparities lie and also looking at you know, really calling out where we need to target, you know, certain populations and, um, you know, where should, where should we allocate funding towards and all that. So they're definitely a partner in all of this, 100%. Again, we're discussing the healthaffairs.org article uh, with multiple authors, two of them with us today, about health equity. Um, it is an article that sort of sets, uh, level sets, I know that's a buzzy word people like, level sets the health equity situation right now and set some, some um, recommendations for where we need to move forward and, and a little bit on how we need to move forward. And Latasha, I'm gonna, I'm gonna close now with both of you, but Latasha, um, we, we can oversimplify things sometimes. This is not gonna be easy. This is going to be work, right? It's going to be work. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. There can be improvements made, and any improvement is, a, is an improvement worth having. We can do better than what we're doing, and that's all we really need to focus on. If it's 1%, if it's a half a percent, I'll take it over what we're doing. So what has to be absolutely next? Next. We absolutely have to make sure everyone is stratifying and using that information to work on quality improvement in their systems, in their organizations. That is a huge step. After that step, there's so many things that could be done depending on what the needs are. But looking at your population and knowing who they are and what their challenges are is the most important part. Kirsha? For what's next? Um, for me personally, you know, making sure that we expand the stratification to as many, if not all of our quality measures so that we are looking at healthcare across the board, whether it's, you know, maternal mortality, you know, that domain or cardiovascular care, you know, mental health, behavioral health. I think if wherever we can, you know, gather this information, I think that's extremely important because like you kind of hinted to a bit ago, Matt, like you can't act upon anything until you've been able to like sit there with the data, analyze it and figure it out, okay, this is where we can target um, our initiatives to move forward and really advance, attack this equity issue, right? So I think for me, it's really expanding upon what we've created and built here right now, and then figuring out the next pieces, um, whether it's race and ethnicity related or also related to sexual orientation, gender identity, just making sure everyone has equitable care and everyone can live as healthily as possible, right? Equitable care is quality care. Latasha Roush, Kirsha Thompson, thank you very much for joining us on Inside Healthcare. We'd like to have you back sometime uh, for an update, for a progress report. And, uh, and I promise you, we'll hold you accountable. How's that sound? Sounds great. <laughs> We'd like to remind everyone the article's healthaffairs.org. Also, that was not Kirsha Thompson's stomach growling.
there's construction going on in her her apartment building and of course since the pandemic we uh record these uh uh, podcast from home. So um, thank you for being patient with that. And and again, thank you, Kirsha, for uh, muddling through the rest of the way. Of Latasha, thank, thank you for being here as well. Uh, we look forward to speaking with you again. That was NCQA's Kirsha Thompson and certified doula Latasha Rouse discussing the state of health equity, progress being made, and the road ahead. On this podcast, we like to give you an inside look, not into just healthcare, but into the conversations going on among our leadership. We now offer you some insights from our president, Peggy O'Kane. In mid-September, Peggy co-authored a discussion paper for the National Academy of Medicine. The paper titled, An Equity Agenda for the Field of Healthcare Quality Improvement, brought together minds from seven leading healthcare organizations to mark the 20th anniversary of two other landmark papers from the Institute of Medicine. They are To Air as Human, Building a Safer Health System, and Crossing the Quality Chasm, A New Health System for the 21st Century. In this conversation, NCQA's Vice President for Public Policy and External Relations, Frank Michike, Ask Peggy about NCQA's approach to quality measurement through the lens of health equity. They also consider why it's taken so long for the issues of equity to reach the top of the healthcare agenda in the United States. There's a phrase that I've heard um, a number of people at NCQA use. It, it, it goes on most of our PowerPoint slides these days, and that phrase is high quality care is equitable care. I'd like to see if you could elaborate on how that informs NCQA's approach to quality measurement. Well, if you're thinking about quality improvement, you know, when you when you're doing quality improvement, what you're trying to do is look at where are the opportunities to do better, you know? So you're you're looking at data and you're identifying opportunities and Obviously, you try to prioritize opportunities that are bigger uh, over opportunities that are niche or whatever, smaller, you know. Uh, and when you look at the, all the opportunities to improve when it comes to health equity, I, I think it's a very compelling case that they're much bigger than anything else uh, that we could be doing in healthcare. Um, so I, I just think it's the magnitude of the opportunity that, you know, I think when I first started working uh, in quality, it was considered like a side issue, uh, closing gaps. Um, and it was like, I almost thought about it, I think, as a trade-off between, are we going to work on improving our quality or are we going to work on health equity? And I think that's just a false choice. So um, just tremendous opportunities to do better. So I wonder if that's a good analogy for where we are now with health equity. So uh, as you said, when you first started working on this, when NCQA was born, it was um, not clear even that it was possible to measure healthcare quality, or at least some suggested, um, or that there was the desire to do so. Um, so I, it, do you see any parallels between those early days of uh, healthcare quality writ large and measurement of healthcare quality uh, and where we are with uh, measuring and improving healthcare equity now? 
Yeah, I, I think the, the big parallels are the same ones. It's like the best is the enemy of the good. Uh, it's it's better to be looking at the truth and the data and then figuring out the plan than it is to argue about whether the data is perfect. Um, so we all know we're dealing with um, could be better data, right? Um, and could be a lot better data. Um, but even when we look through this kind of fuzzy lens that we currently have, we still see things that are gigantic opportunities. So uh, it's kind of, yeah, it's like, let's go, let's get started, let's work on it. We will learn more as we're doing it about how to improve the data. And in fact, the, just the use of the data improves the data. That's another axiom at NCQA, and it's always true. Why do you think it's taken so long for the issue of health equity, not that it hasn't been discussed, but for it to reach the top of the healthcare agenda? I was interested, for example, to read that uh, in your paper that there was a 2003 report from the then Institute of Medicine uh, on many of the same topics. Uh, and uh, obviously, we find ourselves in 2021 uh, having made, uh, and I think the paper notes this, some progress, but um, why do you think it took so long? Why has it been such a challenge? I think we all know maybe why we're here now, but uh, anything you want to elaborate on that, I'd welcome. You know, we have a healthcare system that's not been doing a great job. It's not particularly motivating at times, perhaps, to face that and to think about all the apple carts you might have to upset in order to do a better job. So I think it's because it's hard and because times are, you know, people can find a million ways to be occupied, especially these days. Everything's very, very complicated. So, but I, you know, I think. There's not a whole lot of value to me in kind of looking back and trying to figure out like, why why didn't this ever work? I think that all you can ever do is try to plan for the future and try to be more effective in the future. And um, it is daunting because we know that the drivers uh, of health, to use a term that's become a term of art, are there are drivers of health in, in, in the general environment that really don't have much to do with healthcare. I think for me, uh, healthcare needs to kind of work on its piece of the puzzle and also realize that its piece of the puzzle is not the whole thing. And so, you know, there are plenty of examples of ways in which the healthcare system behaves, uh, maybe even unconsciously, that uh, contribute to disparities in outcome. Um, but I, I think most of it is, um, it's more like it's harder to close the gaps than it is to just pretend they're not there. And uh, so, and especially because of the fog that surrounds uh, these, these gaps, because of the lack of data, it's kind of easy to just kind of say, well, we're working on it and we're sure it's working. But actually, as you know, many times you think you're doing something and unless you actually look at the numbers, you can you you, you can continue to kid yourself that something uh, really important is happening. So that's a long answer. Um, but I think why did it change? George Floyd, it changed because we were in a pandemic. People were in a bad place. 
uh, then this horrible situation happened, which was just the culmination of, you know, like episode after episode of, um, uh, of you know, blatant racism and, and unnecessary death in this country. And people, you know, uh, just looked at it and said, I don't want this to go on anymore. And so, you know, every part of the country then looks at its own house, I hope at least that that's happening, and says, what can we do to make our house in order? And I think that was what happened with us at NCQA. The, the National Academies convened a number of groups to uh, write papers on the um, 20th and 25th uh, anniversaries of Two Errors Human and Crossing the Quality Chasm. So they were kind of like wanting to, and I think it's a very worthwhile exercise to say, um, you know, this, this, these things were part of the launch of a quality movement. How are we doing? And, um, you know, and, you know, being in that group with other healthcare leaders, I think uh, the, the race equity and health equity issues were so on our minds that when somebody said we should be focusing on this, there was really no argument about it. And then it was just a matter of how are we going to do it? So um, I felt very proud to be part of that. And um, it was it was an example of collective leadership that is all too rare, frankly. I agree. And to your point about um, looking forward, Administrator Brooks LaSure of uh, CMS is laser focused on this equity issue. And uh, it's uh, it, it's notable every time she speaks uh, on any topic almost. It's at the top of the list that um, all considerations be made for equity. Um, I'm sure you've uh, been equally pleased with both uh, what she's focused on, but the way in which she's focused on it uh, so intently. Yeah, it, yeah, it's she, great, you know, and yeah. then we just need to make it happen, which is yeah. the really hard part. <laughs> yes. NCQA President Peggy O'Kane talking with Vice President for Public Policy and External Relations, Frank Michike, on the state of health equity in this country. We'll have more of this conversation in future episodes of Inside Healthcare, so you'll want to continue to tune in. Okay, a few things to tell you about coming up on the NCQA calendar. Coming up on Tuesday, October 12th, our Quality Innovation Series presents Heatish Measurement Year 2020, First Year Results, and Measurement Year 2023 Pipeline. So that's for you HEDIS heads out there. Also, on Wednesday, October 13th, we present Evolving HEDIS for Equity, Updates and Future Directions. Again, equity a big priority around here. Thursday, October 14th, features the session Building Data and Measurement Practices Across a Network. So a lot to look forward to there. We hope you will, enjoy, will join us for those events. Um, for more information, www.ncqa.org and just search education. It'll lead you to quali the Quality Innovation Series. Uh, and as always, you can find us at any time at ncqa.org. If you'd like to reach us, we welcome your comments and feedback. Let us know what you think about this week's interviews. Send us your ideas for some hot topics to discuss. And feel free to share ideas for potential guests for the podcast. And of course, to find out more about our tools, products, training, and what we can do for you, 
in the healthcare arena, contact us through our website, ncqa.org, or read our blog at blog.ncqa.org. Well, that's all we have for this week. Thanks for joining us for another installment of Inside Healthcare. On behalf of our producer and NCQA communications specialist, Dave Smaller, I'm Director of Communications, Matt Brock, wishing you good health from the National Committee for Quality Assurance, where we're measuring quality and improving healthcare. We'll see you again, no doubt. You've been listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast brought to you by NCQA the National Committee for Quality Assurance. Inside Healthcare is available on your computer or mobile device through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and on our blog at blog.ncqa.org forward slash podcast. <laughs>